Welcome, guys, to another Learn Lead Thursday. Hope everyone's doing well. I'm absolutely fired up. Landon, what's good, bro? What's up, man? How are you? Dude, better than good. I'm on, I don't know if it's the, the two espressos I had or just the uh, the renewed vigor that I have in my life. I'm just super stoked for today. It's one of my busiest days of this entire quarantine. I'm just ready to get after it. I'm not watching the news much right now, but I just feel like there's a light at the end of the tunnel. All this quarantine stuff, man. I feel like the beaches are going to open up pretty soon here and you know, the golf course is already opening up everywhere, which is nice. And it's really trying to get outside and do some stuff. You know what I mean? Oh, I would really love to go to the beach. I just, I think my only concern is that I don't want them reopening too early, especially being here in New York. They're trying to set that date for May 15th or June 15th to open all the businesses. I, I The worst thing that could possibly happen is us reopen and then have to close up. You know, I'd rather wait the extra two, three months to make sure everything's good. And every, I mean, being uh being all remote is actually pretty pretty solid too. It allows you to actually network a little bit easier, in my opinion. What do you think about that? No, it can. You have more access to to individuals to be able to reach out, message people, call people. Everyone's kind of sitting in their house, twiddling their thumbs. They don't really have an excuse to to not pick up almost. But one thing though, I, I find is like it just sucks. Is like it sucks not being able to hit somebody up and saying, "Hey, like let's go grab a beer." So talk about some stuff or whatever it may be like it just not being able to just socialize without being judged. I feel like everyone judges you if you go outside of the house to do something. You know what I mean? I feel like you're constantly looking over your shoulder, wondering if you're putting the people around you in jeopardy and everyone else is questioning that too. Yeah, it's so funny. I, we were at the supermarket. I was up with my parents going food shopping and uh, my mom, They we were in line to go uh, go check out at the, at the line and this lady just goes to my mom, back the fuck up out of nowhere for, for, for nothing. And so they, that the, the husband and her got into a fight with my mom and my dad. I'm just like, all right, guys, let's, let's chill out here. Like what the fuck's going on? I think people are just getting absolutely restless, man. Tony almost getting a little scrap at the grocery store. Well, my dad was like, oh, you didn't defend me. I was like, dad, you're 300 pounds. I'm not going to make you, you're, you're going to fight a 70 year old. Like what is going on here? Like I'm hungry. We got food going on. There's a thousand dollars worth of food in our cars. Like what the fuck? What am I going to do here? <laughs> Who do we got on the, uh, on the agenda today? Who's, who's hitting it up? Yeah, cool. So we got a, a really good interview uh, coming up that we did with uh, Live Better, the founders, Jason Lobig and Brett Gornick. These guys have hosted the, uh, they do international retreats mostly. Which are, are they're a health and wellness brand, which is just they they really just brand uh, health and wellness and get speaking engagements going. And their big thing is this retreat to El Salvador, and that obviously got canceled due to coronavirus. But we did a virtual retreat, and that's where I met them, where it was amazing. This virtual retreat was so cool, just a uh, health and wellness, spiritual meditation workouts, all master Nike trainers, big time coaches. Sam Tooley, that's where we met him, the guy we did on the last podcast. So it was really good. They're actually doing one this weekend for free. Last time it was 200 bucks. So if you want to, if you guys want to hop in, we'll put the link there and you guys will have access to that. And uh, I just thought it was such a great conversation that we had. What, what were your thoughts on that? They're just really well-rounded guys. They have experience in the corporate world and they have experience being entrepreneurs and that's what they are now. Um, when we're not all locked down inside our houses, they're traveling all over the place and doing a lot of cool stuff. And yeah, I, I, uh, I think there's a really good opportunity this weekend to hop into that into that retreat for sure, especially if it's free. I mean, you said the last one was 200 bucks. Yeah, no, it was 200 bucks. I got 50% off and now this one's $0. You know, it makes no sense not to go get some free value and uh, network with some awesome people. It's it's almost like you can't afford not to go. 
it, it'd be a detriment to your life if you had. <laughs> you, you know, it's like, what are you doing? You know, you're going to sit home and watch Netflix. Why not chill and learn about some cool shit and meet some new people? And in the podcast, they talk about the stuff that they're doing in the retreat. So you'll hear about that in the episode. Yeah, for sure. And I already signed up for the uh, the one in El Salvador in November where I, I've never been surfing. They do a lot of surfing there. It's a lot of uh, amazing stuff going on. I, I need that camaraderie around me just to be around people that are really trying to be where I want to be as well. So with that being said, guys, I really hope you guys enjoy. Uh, feel free to DM us for the link to the uh, the virtual retreat. Get on that this weekend. Hope everyone's doing well and uh, enjoy. This is the Learn Lead Podcast with your hosts, Tony V and Landon Arcangelo, coming to you with exclusive access inside the lives of some of the world's most successful leaders. Jason Lobig and Brett Gornick, the owners of Live Better, which is a health and wellness brand. They also host international retreats, which I have actually signed up for. And they're also in the performance and mindset coaching game. What's up, guys? What's going on? How you fellas doing? Phenomenal, man. Thanks for asking. So uh, let's hop right into it. You guys mind sharing a little bit of your brief personal stories here? Totally. Um, first of all, thanks for having us on the show. And Jason and I are really excited to dive in so cool that we actually met Antonio. He was on one of our virtual retreats and uh, now he's coming on the real one. So uh, it's, it was, it's awesome that we get to connect this way. So this is Brett here and uh, I will give a speedy version of the story so that we can really dissect some of the stuff. So um, I started out and I'll just start kind of post-grad of college um, started out, went to college for economics, was kind of shuffled into that major through thinking that a business sort of degree was the best outlet for where I wanted to take things. Got the best job I could and started working at a corporate retail store doing data analytics. So I was working for Kohl's Corporate up in Milwaukee. Had a really good job. Uh, had a really good time working at that career. Um, I really enjoyed the people. I actually really enjoyed the subject and was very good at it. So I was promoted very fast. Worked up the ladder, was in meetings with some of the high executives after being there for a year, proposing huge projects that were kind of getting missed. And I have that skill. That's kind of my thing. I try to find things in the cracks and analyze how they can they can move forward. Um, about six months into that job, I, I had an itch to scratch. And I knew that helping people was what I really wanted to do. So I was working out at Gold's Gym in Milwaukee and started to really want to dive into that more. So I went up to the head trainer and said, hey, what would it take to become a personal trainer here? Uh, I don't want to do it full time, but I would just love to learn. He goes, I've seen you in here working out. You know what you're doing. Get a, If you get a certification, come back and talk to me. So I went out and got a personal training certification, went back and talked to him and he kind of just like threw me into the mix. And he was like, hey, if we get any new people coming in and the trainers that haven't been here as long can't facilitate those sessions, I'll throw you on the book. So I ended up getting about two or three clients that I was seeing one to three days a week and started doing both things. So it was, you know, wake up, go to work, come home, work out, train clients, go to bed. And I loved it. And it was it was something that brought me a lot of joy. 
in the midst of that, I wanted to move back to Chicago. That's where I was born and raised. That's where my future wife, then girlfriend, was finishing school and going into the city. All my friends were in the city. So I got a job at Walgreens department store uh, doing their data analytics as well. Came back. That job was terrible. Um, I went from a very proactive, uh, more entrepreneurial style business model to much more of a consultant, fill in the gaps, uh, create presentations and fudge the numbers to make them work style job. And that, that obviously was not fueling me. And during that job, uh, Jason and I reconnected. So Jason and I's backstory is that I was his bartender in college. Um, he went to Miami, Ohio. I went to the University of Illinois. We met through that because his now wife, girlfriend at the time, um, was friends with a bunch of my friends. She went to U of I. He came to visit. We partied. We had fun for about three years as we knew each other through that. And Jason and I saw each other out um, one night when I was back in Chicago and we started to have conversation and we were like, what are you doing? And he was, you know, he'll tell his story, but he wasn't like what he was doing. I wasn't like what I was doing. So we sat down at a local restaurant in Chicago for what we thought would be just a casual dinner conversation. And now you move four years, four and a half years since then. And we are where we are today. So from there we've, and, and we'll go more into this, but we've gotten our training certifications. We've got our yoga certifications. We are Nike trainers, Nike run coaches. We teach at Barry's boot camp, um, and we run Live Better, which is like our main bread and butter, and we love it. It's an experiential wellness business geared around changing your mindset so that you can actually do what it is that you want to do in life. And we all know we have a purpose. We all know we have something that we want to accomplish that for some reason obstacles get in the way, whether that's, like I said, my college major, uh, your vicinity to the people that you're with, your circumstance, but those are things that we can all, all overcome through mind. And that's kind of what our mission is now. So we put on a couple wellness retreats a year. We do a lot of one-on-one coaching and training, uh, whether that's physical or mindset. And we've helped now, I think our retreat, we've had over a hundred people come on our retreats. Uh, we've thrown eight of those and uh, it's been an amazing ride. So Coming from a corporate background uh, into starting a business and working in now some of the highest level fitness, um, it's been a fun ride. And I think it's so interesting, but I feel like I'm just in the beginning of it still. That's awesome. I appreciate you sharing your story. And uh, Jason, the floor is yours, man. <laughs> I'll just fill in the gaps um, in between Brett. Uh, moving back to Chicago and uh, us doing what we're doing now, I was working in public accounting. I went to Miami to get an accounting degree. I became a CPA working in tax consulting. And my job was challenging, but was honestly the, the challenges that interested me the most were trying to stay healthy in a corporate environment that didn't necessarily support someone's personal health. And it's to no fault of the company I was working for. The whole corporate landscape was, and to a large part, still um, is like that. You are, and, and, and this is more of a philosophical question, but like for me, I always ask, is it the responsibility of the employer to make their employees happy? And if the answer is no, then we have to put that on ourselves to take personal responsibility to be happy and healthy in the office. And at that point, I never put that on 
my employer at that at, at that point in time. So I started to take all those steps for myself. I was working out. I was eating well. I was doing all these things in the office that were, <laughs> you know, getting a side eye from other people, like stretching at my desk and stacking books up to put my computer on and uh, taking time to leave the workday to go eat lunch somewhere other than my desk. And I realized that there was a huge market for keeping corporate high performers in shape mentally and physically. So I also got a personal training certification. I started to train some people I went to high school with first. We got picked up by Nike. Brett and I started this protein bar, which is now what Live Better is. And all these things started to spiral. And I got to a point where I was like, okay, you can do one or the other. Um, And if you continue to do what you're doing in public accounting, this will always be a side hustle. In fact, you probably have to give it up due to the demands of your job. And I chose this. So we kind of went full fledged after doing both jobs for several months um, into doing this full time. And as Brett said, uh, our big mission is really to help people understand that physical and mental wellness is the fuel to do whatever it is in life you want to do better, whether you're a podcaster or whether you work in public accounting or whether you work in big corporate retail data analytics, it doesn't really matter. If you don't have your health, um, you don't have a great way forward. So we are actively involved in getting a ton of different audiences from corporate CEOs and execs to professional athletes to weekend warriors to stay-at-home moms and dads to kids all the way down in preschool to understand the value of wellness and how it can help elevate their life. You told us a lot about on a surface level about Live Better, can you dive deeper for our guests and tell them specifically what products and services you offer and, and dive into your product lines and, and so and so on and so forth? I think it's a it's kind of an ever-evolving conversation. Currently, right now, we classify Live Better as an experiential health and wellness company. And by that, we mean we run experiences like retreats. We run experiences like events during the summer. We have a, a track club. We have a rooftop yoga series that we do. We give corporate talks. We give, we have speaking gigs. We headline workout festivals and yoga festivals to that nature. Um, but Live Better operates basically in two arms, in-person experiences and digital experiences. The digital experience you have with us is uh, a once weekly newsletter. It actually came out this morning called Wake Up Wednesday. We've been doing it for 193 weeks in a row. And that's half motivational, half educational around health. We've got our Instagram and we have our own podcast. And then the in-person stuff is retreats, corporate work, and then private coaching. And that coaching is done around physical training as well as mindset um, and performance coaching. Yeah, the, uh, the newsletters are awesome. I get them every Wednesday. Like Brett was saying earlier, I uh, connected with you guys through the, the virtual retreat. You guys were supposed to do a physical retreat couple weeks ago and that fell through obviously due to the coronavirus but what was the inspiration behind that virtual retreat and for those who don't know do you mind explaining kind of what the virtual retreat kind of was the virtual retreat stemmed from the fact that our retreat was canceled so we throw two in-person retreats a year and those are our bread and butter those are our favorite thing that we do and uh the results have been extraordinary for people 
starting jobs, quitting jobs, starting businesses, meeting people, um, getting in and out of relationships and just kind of manifesting their own life. So we said, how can we create this impact with the current situation? And so eight days before we launched it, we decided to do it. And so we threw that whole thing together in eight days because we were like, this needs to happen. Um, People need to connect. People are already feeling distanced. And we kind of coined the term, no more social distancing, but let's just physical distance and create this social atmosphere. So we thought, how can we make this a thing? And so we said, let's bring together some of the key points from our retreat which were some of the workshops that you guys went through. And also, now that we have this opportunity, one of the things that we we wish we could do um, would be to bring some of our fellow wellness professionals along the ride for the retreat itself. Now, it's just a lot to ask for somebody to come down for a week. So what we were able to do with this, which is sweet, is through our network, through our Nike network, through people that we know in the wellness space, bring in some other really cool speakers. So we had different people leading workouts. We had um, people leading runs, people leading yoga, people leading nutrition workshops, people leading movement workshops. And then um, Jason, myself, and Ryland, our other retreat leader, led some of the key aspects of our retreat um, within a digital platform. So we did everything on Zoom. Everybody logged in every single one of the things. Then we gave people free time throughout the day to just kind of reflect and journal and think um, around some of the topics And I would think one of the really cool things that came from it for me was how connected I really felt. And I thought that there was some really cool connection in seeing other people struggle during the workouts as I was doing the workout somebody else was leading, um, leading panel discussions, leading conversations with great Q&A. And you could just feel an energy. Um, At some of the sessions, we had 60 plus people in there working out and, and working hard. So it was really fun to just see and hear and have good conversation around a lot of these topics. And uh, we did it over two days. Our normal retreat is is five days. So it was definitely condensed, but it was it was really cool. I can personally attest that it was life-changing. It was just such a great time to disconnect from the outside world. And really, I spent the time in my room and with this new community. And they just really want to see you get better and become the best version of yourself. So now, Jason, do you mind explaining going through a day in what the actual retreat in El Salvador would look like. For sure. So every day builds on the day before it. Not only are the days individually programmed, but so is the week. And we do that for a specific purpose because doing activities in order unlocks your ability to do the next thing better. And the whole purpose of the week is that you transform from start to finish You come out feeling better than you went in. It's been our goal from the beginning to not necessarily create a vacation for somebody, but to actually achieve what you set out to do when you take vacation, which is to come back rested, recharged, fired up with a clear head um, and a full heart, right? So we do everything from movement to workshops to community stuff um, to mindfulness to things on nutrition Um, in the ocean, out of the ocean, solo, and in groups. So I'll give you a walkthrough start to finish. Um, A sample day might look like you wake up pretty early, catch the end of sunrise. Right at the tip tail end of that, you are 
participating in a yoga or mobility session, which gets followed up by surfing. Surfing is split out into kind of two groups. You get a lesson, which is awesome because the water is 82 degrees. The waves are warm, slow, glassy. It's a pretty spectacular place to learn how to surf. Um, which is sort of the first foray into uh, an activity that makes people uncomfortable, but in the best way possible. And then after everybody surfs, we come in, we have uh, breakfast all together. It's like at a one really big long table. People kind of talk about surfing the day before, hang out. And then the middle of the day is free. We give everybody on the retreat a one-on-one coaching session. So if you do happen to have your coaching session, that happens somewhere in between 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. But if you don't, we give free time. And this is on purpose because some people come on the retreat with work to do. Some people want to unplug completely from work. Some people want to hang out. Some people want to have alone time. So we give people the freedom to do what they need to do in that time. And then to start the evening, we have a workshop or another type of discussion, some other type of movement in the evening. So if we Maybe we only did a quick stretch session in the morning. Maybe we'll have a workout at night or a sunset yoga or maybe sunset surf. After that, we head back, hang out for a little while, and then everyone has dinner together. And the rest of the night is kind of free and, and downtime. Um, I'm not going to give away all the all the great surprises, but that schedule gets flipped around a little bit. We've got some stuff late at night, some things really early in the morning. But um, you can expect a, a healthy dose of healthy food healthy movement, um, healthy connection, and all things to make you feel physically and mentally well. What does the attendance look like for these events? In terms of numbers or? Yes, numbers, yeah. Yeah, uh, our retreats get between 15 and 30 people. Um, We've had 30 on one all the way down to like 12 to kind of 15 on the bottom end, but we usually see somewhere between 15 and 20 which we feel like is a, is a pretty good group size. We have three retreat leaders and between the three of us, we teach, as Brett mentioned, all the workshops and do all the talks um, and give all the coaching sessions. So it ends up being a, uh, a wonderful size family by the end of the week where you really get to know everybody that comes on the trip and you also get plenty of time to get to know us um, and to really hash out why you came on the trip and what you want to get out of it. And do you see you guys staying inside of that that space there where it's you know, 15, 30 people and keeping it intimate almost um, and exclusive? Do you see it staying exclusive like that or do you see you, yourselves expanding beyond where you are at right now growth-wise? That's a good question. I think uh, as we've been going down to El Salvador, this the fall, well, the spring would have been number eight. So the fall hopefully will be our eighth trip. Um it has become kind of like a second home to us. Um, my Spanish has certainly improved. Uh, we, you know, we know all the the servers' names. They know stuff about us. We know stuff about their families now, and it's kind of become our special hideaway and special spot. And as we've been going, El Salvador as a country has also been drastically improving. So one of the things that we don't talk about all that much, um, but I think is kind of a really cool side story, is the first time we went into El Salvador which was five years ago, it was still very much like an up and coming developing country. And imagine hearing all of the negative news that a big city gets. 
So all of the negative news coming out of New York or Chicago or LA, you would think that it is a war zone. And you never hear any of the good things about it. You never hear any of the good things about its people, its culture. And unfortunately, El Salvador fell on a lot of that press. So it, it the, the the news and the and media make it seem to be this like extremely dangerous, poor place where nobody should venture to. And that was not our experience at all the first time we went. And we've since been down and done a ton of work with their tourism board, have seen major improvements to their airports and their roads and their restaurants. And it's been such a cool experience for me, Brett and Ryland to have been there five years in a row and watch this country also start to kind of blossom. And it's become kind of like this little hideaway for us. Um, but I think it does like El Salvador isn't that it, it's, it's close, but it's not close, right? It's not like, Hey, let's just take a flight down to Arizona or California. So I think it's kind of fun bringing a small, a little bit more elite group, exclusive group down to El Salvador. Um, but if we do expand and start doing them in the U S or locally, I think those numbers will get bigger and it will just turn into a, a little bit of a different experience when we have, you know, like the virtual retreat where we had other coaches hop in. We could do other activities that you maybe couldn't in El Salvador. So I think those trips will probably stay a, about that size. If they do happen to balloon bigger, uh, we'll figure it out. <laughs> makes complete sense. No, it makes complete sense. And to zoom out a little bit, I've heard you say the word Nike a couple of times, and I'm sure our listeners are thinking are wondering the same thing that that I'm thinking and wondering. How has Nike played a role in your guys' business and and who feels like talking about that? Feel free to. Yeah, I can take that one. It's Brett. Um, so Nike is has been a, is a great part of our business. So Nike has a, has a couple of really cool things going on. They have a network of trainers that they hand select to represent their brand. Um, and there's kind of two classifications. There's a Nike master trainer, which there's only a handful of in the world. And then there's a Nike trainer, which is what Jason and I fall into, which is, again, there's another kind of larger handful um, of that from a training side. Now, the way that the business is set up is that training, which means physical training, working out, athletic performance lives in one side of the business and running lives on another side. Now, Jason and I are both big runners as well. And so we also are in kind of like the higher um, point of the running space team as well. So we're amongst, I think, four trainers in total that live in the running and the training side. So we do both sides of it. What does that mean? We get that question all the time. What does it mean to be a Nike trainer? What does it mean to be the Nike, a Nike run coach? Essentially a couple of things. It means that um, we help them with activations, with workouts, with programming, um, with event creation, with ideation, with product development, and they help us by connecting us with some of the most elite trainers in the world, um, having us lead cool workouts, come up with ideas, whether that's from the app to in-person events. And uh, they support us along a lot of these journeys. So at a lot of our things, like within our virtual retreat, they gave away an outfit for uh, a specific person. Um, so they do a lot on that side of it. We have really cool projects. Um, Jason's leading a really cool running project right now called Project Fearless. We've done some really fun things along the way. 
um, kind of the first couple of projects were these massive installations in Chicago where they built kind of training facilities. One was outside in the middle of winter on a barge on the river in Chicago. Um, and there have just been some really, really cool things that we've been a part of. And then Jason and I just kind of wear that badge and we're able to network with some of the top trainers in the world who are also following that. And they do a lot of really cool th- things for education. So they give us continuing education. Um, so we're able to take certifications, learn, build our brand, build our awareness and meet and network with some of these really amazing people. So it's been an awesome journey. It's definitely solidified us in the, in the training realm and we continue to learn through that community. And it brings us in contact with some really cool people, um, whether that's athletes or just people that want to work out. And, and I mean, we say that if you have a body, you're an athlete. So everybody that comes into a Nike session just means a lot to us. And we get to impl- impact a lot of really, really cool down to earth people that want to work and work really hard. And it's brought us a lot closer to some of the, some of the top trainers that, that we would love to, to hang out with. So now that you got the the physical training side of that down, what really interests me more is the the mindset coaching. So do you guys mind expanding on how you got into the mindset coaching? And did you have a mentor to guide you? Because in the beginning, I guess it's cool to be a mindset coach, but you kind of need someone to lead you in that area to figure out how to go about doing that with clients. I think the biggest thing, honestly, in that realm is leaning on your experience and People, this is what I tell trainers who are trying to get into the game, somebody who's, who's new, right, that wants to break into health and wellness. They say, they take a look at the landscape and they say, well, look how many, look how many trainers are out there. Look how many running coaches there are. Look at how many weightlifting coaches there are. And I, and I just look back and I say, well, how many of, uh, of you are there? I'm like, well, there's only one. It's like, well, yeah. And people vibe with you and you have things to say. You've had experiences that no one else has had. The only difference is that there are people, and this is where a coach can come in really well, who tells, there are people who tell their story very well. Um, Brene Brown is a perfect example of this. Brene Brown, not only is she obviously extremely well-educated, she's a researcher and a thought leader in the field of leadership and vulnerability and shame amongst a ton of other things. But she is an elite storyteller. If you ever watched her Netflix or read her books, her personal anecdotes are what make her relatable. Her and I could say the exact same thing about the topic of shame or guilt. And the way that she says it, it's just going to resonate with more people because of her conditions because of her experiences, because of her biases, because of the way that she's been natured and nurtured, all of those things come together to allow her to tell that story. And Brett and I have had thousands of hours of coaching experience in the gym. Um, I mean, one big thing is that when we started our coaching business from the beginning, we didn't get in the game to have 15 personal training clients a day. It's one of the reasons that we both skipped over training at like an equinox for the, for the beginning period of the day. There's nothing wrong with that, and it can turn you into an excellent trainer. We just didn't want that to be the sole purpose of our business. We really wanted to get deep and make a lasting, sustainable change with our clients, and we knew that that extended well beyond the gym. 
So then we started looking into other mediums like yoga, meditation, talking about stress, looking into sleep. And both of us are just the most curious, voracious learners that you've ever met. And we can translate that into passion and experience very quickly. So now you start accumulating experiences a lot faster. Both of us love to travel. That obviously brings in a big perspective. We meet a thousand new people a week and we have a lot of different teaching experience. And when you start talking to so many different people and you start recognizing patterns between what motivates people, what drives people, what holds people back, you can start then developing sort of a philosophy for the way that you coach people. And that could be in a professional setting, that could be in a personal setting, that could be with their physical training, that could be in the way that they set up routines and processes. It's just like that process of of a never-ending learning cycle combined with a never-ending cycle of taking action and leading and teaching, that kind of dual coach-athlete role that's what has informed the way that we coach clients. And honestly, the more you do it, you just realize what works and what doesn't. And then you pull things out from the people that we really respect, like a Brene Brown, for instance. Um, I think she's got a lot of amazing things to say on relationships and emotional dealings. And we'll pull things from stoicism to uh, strength training coaches, to writers, to actors, you know, whatever. You just pull together all these experiences, you kind of create a belief system, and then you help guide people through. Um, I think there are some specific things that you really start to pick up, and this is where having a good mentor comes into play. Whether they can iterate it or not, it's like a couple things that make a really good coach, somebody who's empathetic, somebody who really loves what they're doing and cares about their clients. Those are the things that, yeah, you could read somewhere, but you kind of have to experience that patient care, that bedside manner. And that's what separates somebody who I feel like can effectively give somebody mindset coaching versus just getting on a soapbox and kind of like reiterating what they were doing. It's really being able to translate what you've learned and your own experiences to help somebody else where they're at, get to where they want to go. And we could talk about that all day. <laughs> right. Right. No, I, I can imagine. And, and do you mind sharing some examples of the type of conversations that you're having with your coaching clients? Yeah. So just for instance, um, I have a client who is a big bank exec and she is extremely stressed. Obviously right now is a pretty tumultuous time, right? The markets are going haywire and it's causing banks a lot of, you know, <laughs> adversity dealing with that. Um, all of their earnings actually came out this week too, which can validate <laughs> all of those sentiments. And what I help her with the most is balancing the boundaries between her personal life and her work life and creating strategies to put her health first rather than become overwhelmed by work. So we'll start to work through, I, I, I have a work boundary exercise that I do all the time with clients where it kind of looks like a, a mind map. If you've ever seen one of those where you like write a topic in the middle of a circle and you just start drawing arms or branches off of that as far as you can go. 
will imagine that the first circle just says 24 in it for 24 hours in a day. Then I ask, how many hours do you normally sleep at night? How many hours do you spend at work? The difference between the 24 and and that total ends up being the amount of hours you spend at home or with free time. And we start drawing lines away from there and really focusing on what she wants to get out of each one of those sections and then drawing boundaries around what that is. For instance, if you're going to spend 14 hours at a work day, well, that boundary better end at 8 p.m., 9 p.m. And then what are you doing in that free time before you enter those sleep hours to make sure that all of your routines, your personal life is set up to make you happy and really asking good questions to allow her to reflect on her current condition, what she wants to get out of her day, what she wants to get out of work. Um, Really, it's providing sort of a backboard for ideas. It's providing reference for okay, you're thinking about this this way. Here's some things that have worked for me. Here's some things that I've seen work for other people. Here's some things that I know work based on evidence um, that can help really improve your quality of life. And we work through a lot of different problems kind of in that fashion where you're really just listening and, and kind of helping them guide themselves in the area in which they need to go. And it seems like you've you both have integrated meditation and yoga deeply into your practice um, in a lot of ways. How have those practices played a role in your personal lives? Both of those practices are an anchor for a lot of the things that we talk about. And one of the key values we stress is consistency over intensity. Now, there are days where you need an intense workout. There are days where you need an intense conversation. There are days where things happen to you in an intense order that may be out of your control. So we come back to consistency and we come back to understanding that you have to set yourself up by doing all the little things on a consistent basis so that you can handle those days of intensity, whether that's race day, whether that's a tough conversation with somebody or a significant conversation about a big deal or or job promotion or next step in life. And so meditation, I think, is one of the most highly valuable, consistent things for me personally, and this is Brett speaking, that has given me a lot of clarity to go through everything that Jason just talked about. Um, Coming up with values, coming up with a belief system, coming up with clarity. I think we need to take time, and Jason and I a lot, we speak about this like detoxification phase before attacking anything. What can you remove so that you can create as much white space to actually have clear thought? And I think that's, for me, what meditation does. Um, I do it on a very consistent basis. Um, I do multiple ways. I like using the app Calm. It's one that just has been really good for me. And I can just sit down for 10 or 15 minutes, put the headphones in, find a nice spot. Um, And I do it throughout the day. So some days I do it in the morning. Some days I do it in the evening. I tend to do it more in the evening. That's just kind of when my mind unwinds. It definitely aids in sleep. But I think what it does is it kind of bulletproofs your mind. It gives you this opportunity to 
let thoughts come in and out and return back to breath. And one of the things that Jason and I always talk about with meditation is it's not about clearing your thoughts. And I think a lot of people that haven't really dove into it think two things. That's not for me or there's no way I can do it. And both of those people need it more than anybody else. And what it really does for you is it doesn't matter if you have a million thoughts going on in your head. And it also doesn't matter if you don't think you need it because everybody can use time in the day to come back to breathing. And what meditation really is in a snapshot is taking time by yourself to register when a thought comes into your mind and to be able to move past that thought by connecting back to your breathing. So for example, you're going through a meditation, you start by breathing and you just focus on it. You take an inhale and an exhale and then you do a couple more. And as you're breathing, your to-do list pops into your head and you say, okay, my to-do list has popped into my head. I'm going to return back to the inhale and the exhale. A crazy emotion of fear stems up in your mind and, and you feel a visceral effect in your body and you start to sweat. All you do is say, I notice there's an emotion and I come back to my breathing. And it sounds arbitrary in the one-off situations, but what happens over time is when that comes up in the real life, right? You get in a heated argument with uh, your boss or you get cut off in traffic. You now have, through consistency, build up this force that you can just say, I need to take an inhale and an exhale. And then the next thing that comes out of your mind, out of your mouth is so much more clear, concise, and meaningful than if you just spewed it out. So you are essentially building up this bank of breath so that you can make way better decisions on a day-to-day basis. Well, should I do this? Should I do this? Should I reach out to this guy to be on the podcast? Or should I dive into these materials? You can come back to that, that clarity through breathing. And, and it, the coolest thing about meditation is, in all honesty, it's free. It's uh, just time and, and blank space. So how cool that there's such a powerful tool that you can sharpen by within 10 minutes a day. And one thing I want to come back to on it, and I was talking about consistency early, is you won't feel the benefit You might feel the benefit the first time you do it because you kind of clear out this space, but you really start feeling benefit the hundredth day you've done it and the 200th day you've done it because then you are just like so wired in. And I think you asked this on our retreat, Antonio. Well, it's just hard for me to clear my head and it's, it's something that I'm just like not really a hundred percent sure I can like do. And that, that, that is what meditation is. I've been practicing it for a long time. And tonight when I meditate, I might have 5,000 thoughts that go through my head. But the fact that I sat down for 10 minutes is the value. That's the most important part. And you never judge what you went in like, what happened during it, or how you feel after. You're just proud that you did it. Yeah, it's also I, I just recently got into it maybe a couple months ago. And in the beginning, it's so frustrating. But over time, you start to realize, and then of recently, within this past week, I've actually been hopping on your Instagram live sessions to do the guided meditation. And I've really felt so aware and so uh, one with myself in a way. And it really has helped in so many aspects of life where if you're struggling real quick, you could really just resort back to, hey, I'm living in this moment. What do I feel? What are the emotions? What do I have around me? What do I feel to uh, sense, touch and all this stuff? And then you realize, okay, everything's okay. Let me just breathe it out. 
I appreciate you guys introducing to me that and reinforcing that with me. And so I want to just ask, you guys are obviously all about the mindset and reaching this state of being your best self. So what does being fulfilled look like to you? That's a good question. I think uh, we were actually having a long conversation about this today and had a really great podcast discussion yesterday. And what came out of this discussion yesterday so much was operating and continuing to live your life in alignment with the values that you set for yourself. And just like meditation, people get attached to expectations that they have for themselves, for their job, for their relationships. And when things fall short of that expectation, we either feel failure, we feel disappointed, we feel negative, we feel pessimistic if we think that's going to continue, right? So how can we continuously live along a framework such that we can kind of control how the outcome will occur? And I'll, I'll um, give you an example of that. If you are going to practice humility as a core value, say, I have felt like I've been maybe a little bit egotistical. I've been sort of driving myself forward. I haven't been, you know, taking a step back and seeing really how I can be of service of other people. I want to practice humility. Well, when things happen where you can be humble and just take a step back and not feel like you need a, a, this is kind of like a personal example for me, but you can take a step back and not feel like you need a pat on the back or a, you know, a star on your football helmet for a, a good play well-made. I think it's interesting just to say, well, this is exactly what I expected. I didn't need any recognition of this. I'm doing things because I know it's the right thing to do and I'm happy with my effort. That then aligns with that value and there's no mismatch to the expectation regardless of the result. For Brett and I, and, and I can let Brett answer this after, but we have a pretty similar viewpoint on this. We use and preach health and wellness as a way to go from point A to point B in what you are trying to be purposeful uh, about. So our purpose is to make people healthier. So if I am acting in service of that, that is fulfillment to me. And that lights me up. And I want to do more things that align with those core values. I want to do more things that get me to that end result more often. And everything that I do that doesn't really align with that or that doesn't get me to that end result doesn't really make me feel that fulfilled. So here's a perfect example. If I do something for money that I don't like, like what most people do for a job, I'm not operating off of those core values. I'm not, I'm not operating in service of other people. Money is just simply a byproduct of people want what I'm actually selling. But it has no necessarily, it's one way to keep score, but it's not the only way. And obviously we see a lot of people who are very successful who I would not consider to feel fulfilled really because they haven't decided what they want out of that. And if money is the only way you try to keep score, you miss out 
on all those other things that might help you fill up your cup. So to me, fulfillment is really aligning your actions with those values to an end result that you've already kind of pre-planned out in your head, which for us is service to other people. So that's why we get to do so many different things. It doesn't matter if I'm training a client, I'm teaching meditation to a corporate group, if I'm teaching fitness to preschoolers, or if I'm running a wellness retreat and surfing, all of those things are in service to that end mission to make other people physically and mentally healthier. Certain things are more fun than others, but the fulfillment level on the back end is pretty steady. And the more often you can do that, the more constant, the more consistency you can apply to your life to have those things matched up, the higher that level of fulfillment. I actually, to go off what you're saying, I couldn't agree more. And and there's a quote from Tony Robbins where he says, success without fulfillment is failure. You guys heard that? Yeah, it's just arbitrary, right? It's like right. what you like. How do you? How are you defining success? Are you defining it by money, right? Is that is that the way that you feel successful? It's like fulfillment is a very intangible, warm feeling of all of those things matching up, and it's very hard to pinpoint. But you you know when you hit it, you know when you feel good, you are vibing like. Things are in flow. Things are working. You're like, oh, the whole world is conspiring to help me right now. And when you're not, you know it too because your gut, your intuition, all those types of things are just saying, "Ah, I don't really like this or something feels kind of off to me. So, you know, I think success comes in many forms. Fulfillment kind of comes in sort of one, like you either, you know, you are or you're not. And I think that's that's part of the reason why we have such a big mental health and depression issue in America is because of the fact that not everyone's so open to experiencing new things and they just they're not open to that change to find out what truly fulfills them and that leads to not being fulfilled and eventually depression. What are your thoughts on that? Depression is a is a very you know, it's a very interesting thing to think about and I think there is a lot of that. I think we talk about this a lot in regards to mindset, uh, which is set in setting. And it's essentially what that means is that you have a mindset and you have a setting and both impact each other. And I think one thing that when we get into the mental health side of this and to to really dive into this again, Jason and I are not doctors or have no, you know, true training in the in the psychology world what we've seen though and what we've personally dealt with is that there is a condition in which we live there is a setting in which we do things right we host our retreats if not virtually in a specific space that we've been to we've gone to other spaces um in that spot because being in that setting puts people in a really good mindset and people come in with a really good mindset. So there's a, you know, we're, we're playing off of that and it, and it works really well. When people say, I want to get into a flow state and they have their spot, the cafe they go to, the spot in their house, they need to go for a run before they do it. That's kind of setting up your setting. Um, I clear off my desk or I shut down my computer every night. Those are things people do to get their setting set up to to be 
the best it can be. That's what Jason and I do with our bodies, with our minds, with the people that we're around. I think that's a massive importance of is who you surround yourself with. And with that, the condition, the setting in which you're in has a massive impact on us mentally. So when you are in a bar, if I just dropped you into a bar, the odds of you having a drink are way higher than if I popped you in the middle of a workout class. So at the same time, on the same day of the week, because of where you are physically, I just people don't register how important it is for where they physically are. Now, a lot of that was given to us. So we grew up, we, we didn't choose our parents. We didn't choose our first grade teacher. We didn't choose our nanny. We didn't choose our social economic status at the beginning of our lives. So for the majority of your early developing years, your developmental years where you're super, you're like a sponge soaking in information, that was all given to you. Whether your dad was your coach or the guy that spanked you when you did something wrong or your mom was your caregiver or she was never around. You didn't choose that. And so one of the things that we talk about is that we have to just decide where we are now and be able to be fortified enough, be uh, cognizant enough to decide to make a change today. And depression is very tough because there's a definitely, you know, chemical side of it as well. And, and a lot of that is, is, you know, up for discussion of how does it start? Where does it start? What's the best treatment of it? There's one thing that we do know, though, is that if you're going down that route, if you start surrounding yourself with the right people, if you're able to take control of that, there's a lot that can be done. Um, and, and it doesn't have to be the conversation of depression. It can be the conversation of performance. If you want to run faster, go find people that are faster than you and run with them. If you have trouble reading, go to the library. You're going to read more at the library than you are in front of Netflix. So I think a lot of it has to do with us just taking ownership of where we are and really just understanding that the setting you're in is a, is a massive input to the actions that you take. And so changing up the setting, although it might take time to go to the library to read, that 15-minute car ride to the library, you're like, well, I could have read for that 15 minutes, but you would have been on Instagram. So the fact that you took the time to get to the library and the amount of reading you're going to get done in the library is going to massively outweigh the time it took to get there. So I think we need to just really take a deep dive into the spaces in which we do things and make sure that the people we're with, the physical space that we're in, and the mindset that we have all are this revolving door to elevate us up. We talk about doing like, you know, upward trajectory versus horizontal, right? We want this vertical path of growth. You can layer in all of these things vertically, right? Routines, hacks, you know, MCT oil to your coffee, whatever it is. But if it's not growing you vertically, if it's not taking you upward, the fact that you, you know, have a bulletproof coffee, but then go to happy hour that night and then wake up feeling like shit on Saturday, the bulletproof didn't do anything for you. But if that bulletproof leads you to go to the library to read about a self-help mechanism that then you're then you're going to record a podcast on, that's that vertical integration. And that's where we can really make an impact on the world by pursuing the purpose that we really have through that set and setting. Let's talk about where we are today. How has the coronavirus affected you guys as entrepreneurs in your business? And what have you guys been doing to adapt to it? <laughs> uh, it forces you to be creative. That's for sure. Um, I mean, it's a, it's a near total shutdown. Uh, you're, our lives before this revolved around seeing clients 
being in the office together, teaching classes at Barry's, taking meetings. I mean, our business is experiential. Um, that's what we're good at. We're good at speaking in front of people. We're good at engaging with people in person. You know, we had a retreat scheduled. I was supposed to be in Kenya right now, actually volunteering with another Nike trainer friend of ours. And, you know, this shut down all of those projects that were in person. But with constraint comes a lot of freedom to be creative. So you just have to operate within those new constraints. And we took our training virtual. So I'm training probably a good majority of my clients just via Zoom or FaceTime. I have started to move some people to online platforms and and do things remotely. Um, We've gotten people to sign up for races. We've gotten people to sign up for other various physical challenges and to, to just get creative, right? If I can't be in my gym, well, let's get fast while you can still go outside. So I think it's just, it's forced us to flex some creativity muscle, um, right? We couldn't have our retreat in El Salvador, so we did it virtually. Can't can't train in person, so we did it virtually. A lot of uh, the information we might deliver to corporate that would have come through an in-person speaking gig is now coming in via presentation or Zoom. And I think while it has obviously deeply impacted the the day-to-day activity and the day-to-day income that's associated with being able to do that. It has also forced us to take a step back and look at um, working on our business rather than in it. And rather than running from client to client and meeting to meeting, we've taken a step back and, and looked at, you know, what is the purpose of Live Better? What are we trying to do going forward? And we're actually actively building a, um, a mindset program that is essentially modeled after a lot of the things that we teach on our retreats, a lot of the things that we speak about. And I think that process would have taken a lot longer to build had we not been forced to stay home um, and been you know, busy doing all the other things we were doing, would have extended that timeline. So it's given us a lot of a lot of good downtime to read and connect and, and put some of those ideas together, whereas otherwise it might have taken a little bit longer. So the, you know, the answer to your question is that it has deeply impacted our business and, and shaken up the way that I think a lot of people are thinking about their fitness. Um, but on the, you know, on the positive side of that, we are very fast to adapt um, both personally together and as a business that live better. And I think it's forced us just to take a look at who live better is and who it serves and what we do. And has given us some time to reflect on that and really start building some more long-term business initiatives. I love the, the positive perspective you bring into it. Talking about perspective, we haven't, we haven't got to this yet, but your, your big bread and butter saying is the best day ever mentality. Do one of you guys want to talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, the best day ever is a, uh, it's everything for us. It's a mindset. It's a way to live your life. It's a way to react to situations. And it is not a kind of fluffy term that doesn't come with action. So when we talk about this and we started signing off our emails at our corporate jobs this way and people were laughing at us. And uh, now we 
you know, it's, it's what, you know, we have hats that say it and, and we're, we live through it. What it means is that regardless of what happens to you in a day, you have through the toolkit that you've created, the ability to make it better and then to decide that at the end of every day, it was the best day of your life. So it's a perfect situation right now that we're in because it's testing everybody. Um, the, the the comforts of normal, the routines, the variation is all no longer a thing. And so now we have to, within our own mind, within our own head, decide, like Jason just said, to create and to do things that aren't normal and to fulfill ourselves in ways that are different. And you do that because of the way in which you approach every situation. If you approach your normal day, you know, six months ago that, oh man, I have to go work today. You're going to approach the same way. Oh, I have a bunch of Zoom meetings today. Or if it's, you know, Jason and I and and our, uh, and Paige who, who works with us, we're hype. We're like, oh man, let's pop on a Zoom call and whiteboard this out and get this together. And we wish we were meeting and we're taking all these things in stride. This is a great opportunity for us to develop this program that probably wouldn't have been developed as fast because we would have been doing so much more in-person stuff. You have to be able to do that. You have to be able to adapt, adjust. And at the end of the day, everything that happens around you is not happening to you. Like you have to react to it. And with that, it's all about what's going on upstairs. It's all about the fact that if somebody cuts you off in traffic, you can either honk and be pissed or you're so dialed in in the podcast you're listening to and so hype about where you're going and realizing that you're happy that at least you're in a car and not on a horse or walking to work, that you're fine and you're in it. And I think people just get so caught up in that things are directed towards them. Oh, there's traffic today. Well, heads up, buddy, you are traffic. You decided to get in your car when you could have rode your bike or you are working a job in which there's traffic to get to that job. You don't have to work there. And people just need that. They need to realize that they decide their fate and that they decide the reaction that happens to anything. And I think that once you fulfill that, once you actually believe you root down in it, one, you react better to shitty things, but also a lot more cool things, and I'm saying this with air quotes, just happen to you. When in reality, you are creating them. You are making it happen because you're putting yourself in the right place. Brett, what is to come for Live Better? And what's the main impression you want to leave to our listeners on what Live Better stands for and where you guys are going? So... Where Live Better is going is, is I love the question. So at the beginning or at the end of last year, I read a really, really good book um, called uh, by Simon Sinek and uh, it's called The Infinite Game. And the wrap up of the book is that we should be thinking infinitely. We should be thinking beyond this quarter's numbers, beyond today beyond the impact we're having this week, beyond the struggles of right now and thinking, how can we do something that's going to last forever? Because at the end of the day, when, uh, whenever this, you know, whenever life is over, it is the impact. It is the memories that people will remember. And it's not the stuff that you have. So our goal is to create an, an, 
a business that's infinite and that impacts people from generation to generation to generation. And the ways we're doing that right now is instilling these principles in people so that they can pass on those principles to other people. And I don't care if you guys say, oh, we learned it from Live Better and then it trickles down the wire and it's from some book that somebody read because they learned it from Live Better that I don't need the credit. We don't need the credit, but we want to impact as many people as we can with this. So we're currently building an online course uh, mindset program so we can get this out to more people. And uh, it's going to be epic. It's going to be super actionable. It's going to be interactive. It's going to be community-based. So we're going to get that out there. And I think one of the things that Jason and I do is we, we take an open book approach. So we're not dogmatic in one specific thing. And Live Better, Jason alluded to this earlier, but it started as a protein bar and a physical bar. And we realized we didn't want to stand behind one product. And we liked uh, having conversations with people more and in-person training. So we pivoted to that. And we've really de- definitely now started to find our lane and how we can implement this message on people. And so that program's huge. Uh, we're going to get back to retreats. So once the lift is up on social distancing, physical distancing, whatever you want to call it, we're throwing another one. Right now it's on the books for the end of this year. And if that is allowed, we will definitely do that. Uh, we're going to continue to interact with people in person once, once we're allowed to go about and do that. So we're just excited with the path that we're currently on. And we just want to reach... Um, more people, but beyond just, you know, growing the business and getting more listeners, it's the depth. So we spend a lot of time in the programming side of things. And you said this about our retreats to how they're intimate. And I would rather have 30 people there than at that experience have 500 because of the depth. And so what we're doing with the program we're creating is so that if there are 500 people on our mindset program or 50,000 or a million, they're getting the same attention than if there was one person on that mindset program. So we're, we're really excited about where that's going and uh, the future is, has a lot to hold for us. I love it. I'm super excited for the retreat and it, uh, let's hope it happens. Uh, so how can we follow you guys? What are some social handles we could have the, the plug in the podcast for us as well? Yeah. So live better co on Instagram is our Instagram. Jason and I also have personal accounts, which are, if you just type in our names, you'll, you'll find those. And then I would say one of the best ways to get involved with Live Better is to subscribe to our newsletter. So Jason writes the newsletter every week. Um, we've written it now for over 190 weeks in a row. You can do the math. That's years of time. And we have over 30,000 people that read that every single week. So it's, uh, it's really cool that there is a, a group of people that read that. And it's just super actionable. So it's not fluffy. And it does a really good job to get the get the program going. And that's just livebetterco.org backslash wake up Wednesday. You can sign up in there. And uh, it's a really good midweek email to just get your get your shit together and, and make moves. I love it. Jason, anything to uh, leave our listeners off with? Brett summed it up pretty well. You know, we're in this for the long haul. And I think uh, what I would encourage people to do is think about your you know, if you want to, if you want to simplify it, think about your why as something that you could do 40 different jobs to achieve. And in that way, you set this very broad mission, but you stay flexible in the opportunities that you seek and take. You stay flexible in the path that you do. 
I think people are so rigid on, I have to have this perfect thing figured out right now, but really you just want to work towards things that provide you fulfillment as we were kind of discussing before and let the doing part of that, let the experience part of that, let the collection of skills and interests and experiences and people inform the way that you move forward and then figure it out because it's not going to come most likely in one big like you know haiku dramatic moment it's going to come in consistently really trying to figure out what that is what that is for you and always exploring personal growth as the path forward um and of course we would be happy to help frame that for anybody we would love people to come on an experience with us or sign up for our newsletter or engage with us on social media because we are always more than happy to talk so well said and we'll uh, we'll plug those in in the description so guys thank you so much for your time and uh for the value that you guys brought everyone go follow them on their personal instagrams and their company's instagram and you guys just have the best day ever <laughs> thank you so too. much guys you too tuning in to the learn lead podcast where you get to own your life stay tuned for our future guests coming soon make sure to like and subscribe